Welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. Good morning, church. Great to see you guys here. It's wonderful to gather again like this. Uh, It's difficult in the situations that we live in today. We're aware of the climate of the culture, the the distancing laws, and uh, you will see some opportunities in our praise and worship where uh, we've brought in some pre-recorded material before some of the restrictions came in. Uh, We just want to make sure that we're ready for worship, ready for praise. And so uh, I want us to be ready this weekend especially because next Saturday is Anzac Day. It's... uh, It's something that we should never forget as a nation. And I'd ask you with many other Aussies around the nation that you get up before 6am ready for a moment of remembrance out on your driveway or front yard. Maybe get a small boombox and play the last post and the rows with a minute silence between them. Follow that with a national anthem or something like that. I know it's early for some and, and, you know, some people don't even know there are two six o'clocks in a day. Uh, Maybe you could encourage your neighbours to do the same. Uh, This is an opportunity for us to give honour where honour is due and maybe put into practice the words that often said at Anzac Day, lest we forget. We don't want to forget, even though they can't gather, we can't gather for an official service for that. Just like we can't gather for church, we, we don't want to forget what was done, the price people paid to bring freedom to our nation. Uh, And so thank you for them. Thank you to all of those. I encourage you to be involved in that. Let's pray before we start today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the generosity of your people. I thank you for the faithfulness of the people of God. And I pray that we would become more and more aware of your goodness toward us, that our hearts would reach out to you, that we would know how good you are and that we might be able to declare it wherever we go. In this season, we would look for and expect to come across opportunities to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus into our world. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, thank you, church. It's so good. Uh, We've been doing this series and uh, just a quick refresh on this series of change and growth. You know, let's let's just refresh a moment. You know, change is inevitable, but growth depends on how we handle change. It's possible to go through change, a change process, and actually not change. History shows us this and, and happens regularly. But what we need to understand is in every major crisis, there will be unexpected problems but it also, in every situation, there will be unexpected opportunities. We have more and different problems than we did three months ago, but there are more and different opportunities than we had three months ago. My, my greatest concern for the church is that after this period of time, of which we've done over a month already, that after this, we, we could lose our way. We could go back. We could go through a change process and not change. So as we progress through the series, I'm asking and addressing a number of questions that we should take a hold of them, that we should actually apply the change process, which we know will entail pain, but apply it so that we grow. And the first thing we need to realise is that not all change is good, but almost all change can work for good if we allow it. And so my first question that we asked was, what change would we like? And then we ask the question, why would you like to change? Looking at our motive. And today I want to look at how are you going to change? We may have tried and failed to change in the past. And then we ask the question, what are we doing wrong? 
The answer is we often try to change ourselves through things like spiritual disciplines and codes of conduct and religious activities. But none of these make us more like Jesus. We, we may indeed need to repent of a, a proud self-reliance, our attempts at our own righteousness, which we spoke about last week. See, many of us know what Jesus said, which is recorded in Luke 6 and Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We know that, but James also tells us that the actions of our life flow out of the heart. Listen to James 3, 13 to 15. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and of wisdom. And if you have bitter and envy and self-seeking, listen, in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly. See, it's what comes from our heart. James identifies this. And it's only a heart change that leads to lasting change because behaviour comes from our hearts. A change of heart is the work of God. Our work is to, to, to surrender to the God who changes hearts. The Heavenly Father wants to be intimately involved in our lives so that through our circumstances, He can train us in godliness if we respond properly. See, the Son, Jesus, has set us free from both the penalty and the power of sin. So we now live under grace and grace is the power that changes us for good if we apply it. The Spirit gives us a new attitude towards sin, a new power to change. See, godly change is in the DNA of those who are born of God. Peter tells us this in 2 Peter 1. Some of my favourite passages here, verses 3 to 4. It says, As His divine power, that's the power of God, the grace of God, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. We have a new nature. It's a DNA from God. It's a DNA that allows change to process in our life, to bring us into more Christ-likeness. There's a war going on between what used to be our nature which is now the power of sin in the flesh. It's a war with the new nature within, that, that birthing of the Spirit of God as children of God. And this old nature, which has had years of influence upon our lives, it impacts our reasoning, our behaviour, our habits. It's the power of grace working through our new nature that progressively transforms us so that our behaviours increasingly flow from this new nature. So how do I assist this development of the new nature? I keep my focus on what I want to become. I keep looking under Jesus. See, the old, the old saying is true. What you focus on, you become. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, a couple of keys there. One is from glory to glory. When we give our life to Christ, we have the glory of God. 
It's not like it's not like you get half full. There's this glory of God that develops and shines, and and the more we allow God to shine through us, the more the glory is revealed. That we never get beyond what brought us to this glory. We never get beyond the gospel in our Christian life. We never get beyond it to something more advanced. See, I come across people regularly and they they speak of the deep truths of the Bible. They, They often speak like it's some mystical revelation of a doctrinal truth or a revelation of end times or something that others don't see. But most times it's just pride. They use it to distinguish and lift themselves up like they have some greater revelation of textual meaning above others. See, that's a concern to me. If, however, when people speak about the deeper truths, they speak of a greater relational intimacy with God. They, They speak about their utter dependence upon Him. If there's an increased humility in their life, They're no more special than anybody else. If that's the way they speak, then maybe they have got a deeper revelation. It's not a pride thing. It's it's actually a thing that produces humility. A deeper revelation from God produces humility in our life. In fact, it points us more and more and it points people more and more away from us and to Jesus. See, the gospel is not the first step in a stairway of truths. Rather, the gospel is the the centre, the hub of the wheel. And everything flows from that centre of the gospel. If it's not God so loved, then it's not God. Listen, if, if it doesn't contain, if it's not founded, if it doesn't flow out of God so loved, it's it's not an ABC. It, it, Christianity is bigger than that. Christianity is not this progressive thing. It is a growth in every area of our life to know Him more and more. That's what the gospel does. In 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says in verse 17 and 18, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, but we all with unveiled face. Want to look at this thought, unveiled face in the passage we've just read. See, the journey from glory to glory grows as we see the liberty we have in Jesus. It's in that place of liberty, that place of security and freedom from sin that we become more and more transparent in our relationship with the Lord. It's not like He doesn't already know all our weaknesses, our failings, our our sin, our habits. It's not like He doesn't know them. It's about us becoming more and more honest with ourselves toward Him and in His presence. Paul's deepest revelations are of himself and in the presence of the Lord. Yeah, he said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Listen to this, Romans 7, listen to it. Verse 23, 25. I see another law, a revelation. I see, I perceive another law in my members. This power of sin in the flesh he's talking about. This other law warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. A wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. A wretched man that I am, he says. It's this revelation of who he is. 
And that revelation doesn't, doesn't produce a, a demeaning of who he is. It's a revelation. We're not justified by the gospel and then sanctified by some obedience. The gospel is. The good news that Jesus did it is the only way we grow, the whole way we grow. That's why Paul could say, a wretched man, and still say, thank you, Jesus. He talks to the Galatian church, which, which seems to have lost that mindset in Galatians 3, verses 1 to 3. Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? In other words, who has deceived you to get control? Who has, who has tried to swindle you? Who has tried to get manipulative power over you and your thinking? Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes, listen, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified, the gospel. Who, who has taken you away from the gospel? And he asked the question, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive this spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Paul says it's not the gospel plus. It's the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Our main problem then in the Christian life is that we don't have this deep revelation of the implications of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. This is not a doctrinal thing. See, we, we tend to get the gospel and, and, and our Christian life and make a list of parts. I remember going to school, I think it was grade 11. We, we dissected a cane toad. You know, at, we found out where the lungs were, the heart was. We saw how it worked. We saw how the, the intestinal, we saw the muscles and the sinews. And at the end of it, we could understand a cane toad, but it was dead. See, sometimes people dissect the gospel so theologically and so practically in the natural sense, they miss that it's the living gospel that brings life. It's the living gospel, not the dissection of the gospel. It's the whole, not ABC, but the, the hub of the wheel. Everything flows from that. It's the life that produces it. You can have everything in the right place, but it can still be dead. The gospel is about life. So the key to continual and deeper spiritual renewal and revival is the continual rediscovery of the living gospel as it relates to us. Listen to Paul again in 1 Timothy 1, 14, 15. And the grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Listen, the gospel, Christ Jesus came into the world and no lack of transparency. Paul says, I am chief. I'm a chief of sinners. Paul's transparency of himself with the Lord allowed him to see the grace, the abundance of, that was upon his life, the faith, the love of God. And he saw it more and more clearly. That, that is the deep revelations. That's what brings us to transformation because of the power of a living gospel. See, the gospel is so powerful when we actually begin to fathom what it means, its depths, it grows in us a true, powerful humility. Someone once said this, the Christian should resemble a fruit tree and not a Christmas tree. 
So much religion is Christmas tree. It's decorations, works of the flesh. There's something that attract people to us. While fruit is something that grows from within and out of the life of the tree that brings sacrifice of itself for the benefit of others. It's not, it's not overly hard. It's just a reality of the natural growth from within that produces fruit. See, decorations focus on appearance, while fruit is a sacrifice that produces health and life and reproduction in others. In other words, Christian holiness is not an artificial layer of works on the outside, but a natural process of allowing the gospel to work in us and we become fruit bearers of the things of God through grace by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me draw this to a conclusion right now with some questions and a couple of comments. Is our holiness something that makes us feel good about ourselves or is it something that makes us more grateful to the Lord? Does it produce pride or humility? See, Paul, after seeing himself as the chief of sinners, also recognised in 1 Timothy 1.16 that he'd obtained mercy. And in verse 14, he had obtained an abundance of grace. And in verse 12, that the Lord enabled him. And it's from that unveiled face, that, that where we take off our masks, especially before the Lord, that we actually see ourselves. But we see the amazing Grace, the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done and is continually doing in our lives. Listen to the product of this self-awareness of being chief of sinners. Listen, verse 17 of 1 Timothy 1. The result is now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. See, who gets the glory? Even though we are changed from glory to glory, who gets the glory? As, as I close, let me agree with Paul in his prayer in Ephesians 3. And let me pray for you. In verses 17 and 19, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the deep revelation. God, I want your people to have the deep revelation of your love that we might be filled with all your fullness. See, we change best and we change most by meditating upon and receiving an ever-increasing revelation of the gospel of God's love primarily found in the face of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Father, be with your people today. Let the blessing of the Lord and the revelation of the gospel fill our hearts, our lives, our minds and our spirits in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.